Has it ever struck you that life is all memory, except for the one present moment that goes by so quickly you hardly catch it going? It's really all memory except for each passing moment. Eric Candle. Man's time here is finite, but the influence of a man is infinite. The question is what shall we do with the daylight that remains? Alright, welcome back to the show. Today we're going to be talking about the effects of exercise on the brain. And that includes what it does for your brain, growing your brain, protecting your brain, some of the hormones released, the various parts of the body that they're released from, including from your bones and how that affects your your brain and body. So I'm going to get into that in just a second. But before we do, I want to ask you guys to please go leave a review on this podcast, uh, give it a rating. Those things help us reach a broader audience. And the more more people we have here, the more we reach, the more fun we're all going to have together. And secondly, head over to bronsonwilkes.com to sign up for the email subscription and grab your free ebook, Seven Books That Changed My Life. All right, don't forget to do those things. Let's jump into it. Some of these first resources come from Wendy Suzuki, who is a professor of neuroscience and psychology at the New York University Center for Neuroscience. So she she gives an excellent TED Talk if you haven't seen that. But uh, Wendy, being a brain scientist, a neuroscientist, uh, was focused on other things, but she started to notice the effects that exercise had on her. She was not an exerciser, went on a river trip. Uh, she said she was the weakest one on the river trip and she, she, you know, she was embarrassed. She decided she never wanted to be the weakest person in the room or on a trip again. And she got serious about exercise. And as she became more serious about exercise, doing various things, she noticed certain changes within herself, more focus, happier mood, stronger, more energy, sleeping better, all these things. And so she dove into the science of those things and found many peer-reviewed quality research articles on all the effects that she was experiencing. And she found this new love and she wanted to understand, you know, what kind of exercise and how much exercise she had to do to have these positive effects. And so now that has become one of her primary focuses and passions. So what Wendy says is that exercise is the single most important thing you can do for your brain today. Now, I don't know if Matthew Walker would agree with that completely with his book in Why We Sleep, but as you've heard me say many times on here, I believe sleep and exercise are the two most important things you can do for your physical, mental health in any given day. And so either way, Wendy says that exercise is the single most important thing you can do for your brain today. And she says there are immediate effects and long lasting effects. So exercise can boost your mood your memory, and protect your brain from things like depression and neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's or dementia, right? And Alzheimer's, as of now, is not a curable disease. So if you can prolong Alzheimer's, then you're better off. So one thing is getting quality sleep. As I mentioned, Dr. Walker up here, he he explains that when you sleep, your brain washes itself with uh, cerebral spinal fluid 
uh, eliminating many of the toxins that build up during the day and actually are associated or correlated with Alzheimer's disease. So exercise can help stave off Alzheimer's as well in a couple of ways. So first of all, the prefrontal cortex of your brain is you know, right in the front behind your forehead is the decision-making center of your brain. It's also associated with your focus, your attention span, a lot of your personality traits are directly from your prefrontal cortex. And then another part of your brain called the hippocampus, which is located in your temporal lobe, that is the long-term memory center of your brain. So when you exercise, you stimulate both of those areas to actually change. And she says that the hippocampus will grow with exercise. Now, that doesn't necessarily make you smarter when you exercise, but having a larger hippocampus, it takes longer for those to deteriorate. She says, think of it like a muscle. When you work on those muscles and they get bigger and stronger, it's going to take more time for that muscle to degenerate and become weak and small, right? Same with your brain. If you can grow those areas of your brain to be as large as possible, then if if Alzheimer's is indeed just a natural occurring thing with age and we actually can't do anything to stop it, the best thing we could do is delay it or prolong it by having very strong muscles or in this case, brain, right? Uh, so increase that prefrontal cortex and hippocampus within the temporal lobe. So what are these immediate effects she's talking about? She says it has an immediate increase in levels of neurotransmitters such as serotonin, dopamine, and neuroadrenaline. So a single workout can improve your ability to shift and focus attention up to two hours later. And then this also results in like improved reaction time and things like that. So as you're getting older, like as, as aging populations, one thing that causes them to, you know, fall and break hips and things is simply reaction time. They trip on a rug or they trip on the curb or something and not being able to react quickly enough or have strong enough muscles to actually hold themselves up in that kind of off balance, quick motion they fall and get hurt. And then once you're hospitalized and immobile, things get worse rapidly. So having a better reaction time, having stronger muscles, things like that help with those things, right? Well, exercise improves your attention, your focus, your, your response times. So in an aging person, if they've developed a strong brain and a strong body, they're much more likely to get through the later years of life quite healthy with fewer accidents and cognitively well. So some of the long lasting effects, exercise changes the brain's anatomy. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the physiology and the function of the brain change. The hippocampus actually produces new brain cells, increasing volume and long-term memory. Isn't that wild? That you can actually grow new cells in your brain by exercising? You know, you, you might think that studying more, doing Sudoku, or you've heard of dancing and stuff like that, helping your brain. Well, the, the dancing probably helps your brain a lot because of the physical activity, um, more than just the learning of some new pattern or memorization. It also increases the 
good mood neurotransmitters, making people happier over time, and the protective effects on the brain from incurable diseases, like I've uh, already mentioned. So according to her, the question everyone wants to know is how much, like what's the minimum amount of exercise I have to put in to get some of these benefits, right? So she says 30 minutes of exercise three to four times per week, just getting your heart rate up can give you these long lasting effects. And it doesn't have to be terribly strenuous activity. You know, she's saying like, go for a jog, take the stairs when you see stairs, vacuuming your your house, things like that can contribute to these things. But make sure that you get 30 minutes at least of good, strong exercise three to four times a week. So I want to shift over to some things that I found from Andrew Huberman, some of the references he's talked about, some other scientists. Uh, So he agrees basically with her that the research says, you know, 150 to 180 minutes of zone two cardio per week will support overall brain health and function. And that's by way of blood flow. So if you remember back to the podcast about your brain is always listening with Dr. Amen, um, he talks about most of the problems in the brain are associated with brain blood flow, right? So having a quality blood flow to your brain is the most important thing for brain health. And he'll, he'll change people's diets in order to get good blood flow to the brain. Well, anytime you exercise, of course, get that heart rate up, your blood vessels, you know, they, they can dilate and contract. And so, uh, the effects of exercise just gets more blood flowing to all parts of your body, but it has long lasting effects as well. He says that the brain actually has its own glymphatic system. And I looked into this a little bit. So the glymphatic system promotes efficient elimination of soluble proteins and metabolites from the central nervous system. And this glymphatic clearance occurs during sleep. So how's that associated with exercise? Well, exercise during the day increases lymphatic clearance at night. So um, again, these lasting effects of exercise. Uh, On a side note, Andrew Huberman says that Another way to help or promote improved glymphatic clearance is by elevating your feet just 10 to 15 degrees while you sleep or take naps. That inc- improves the glymphatic clearance. Uh, so he he says he sleeps with a pillow under his feet when he's going to bed. You know, he'd probably kick it out during the night. But uh, anyway, trying to promote that improved glymphatic clearance, cleaning your brain at night. So let's turn a little bit to this Nobel Prize winning neuroscientist named Eric Kandel. When we do certain types of exercise, there's a hormone-like molecule released in the bloodstream called osteocalcin, known to support neurons in the hippocampus. So osteocalcin is a secreted factor influencing matrix mineralization and global metabolism. Osteocalcin regulates glucose metabolism via a bone pancreas endocrine loop. Before I move on, our bodies use hormones basically to communicate between organs. You've probably heard of like your pituitary gland or other glands in the body that secrete hormones. Some glands secrete many hormones. Other um, organs of your body still secrete hormones, but they're limited. 
turns out that almost every organ in our body is secreting hormones quite frequently, but there are certain feedback loops between organs. So one organ secretes a hormone that sends a message to this organ, that organ sends a message to the next organ, and that organ sends a message back to the original organ to make sure that we're in some sort of homeostasis. Or if we're in a fight or flight response, for example, what needs to change then? And then as we calm back down, what needs to change again, right? So we have these feedback loops in our bodies, all controlled with hormone release. So that's what he's saying here when he says osteocalcin regulates glucose metabolism via a bone pancreas endocrine loop. New data suggests an additional role in cognition and male fertility. Clinical studies suggest a more complex role for osteocalcin in human metabolism. So this is from, so I've got some sources here for you, but that's from, from nbci.nlm.com. NIH.gov. Holy cow, that's a mouthful. Next, from Britannica.com. Importantly, osteocalcin is secreted solely by osteoblasts, but only has minor effects on bone mineralization and density. Instead, it has been reported to control several psychological processes in an endocrine manner, such as glucose homeostasis and exercise capacity, brain development, cognition, and male fertility. Isn't that wild? So this is actually secreted from your bones and has impact on all of those things, your exercise capacity, your brain development, your cognition and male fertility, your glucose homeostasis. So exercise will help you control and monitor your glucose. So if you're at risk for diabetes, uh, exercise would be your friend. Right. So here's the kicker though. How do you control this secretion of osteocalcins? Andrew Huberman says that stimulation of the skeleton through load-bearing exercise triggers the production and release of osteocalcin. So basically we're talking about that feedback loop. How does your brain know if your body is still being used? Well, when you put your body under a certain amount of stress, weightlifting, jump squats, some sort of physical exertion and stimulation of the skeletal system. It sends a, a message to the brain that says, hey, look, we're under pressure down here. Your brain goes, okay, they need help, sends help, and your body is you know, supported to rebuild and, and become stronger. Um, and of course, your brain has to control all these different things. So it's got to control your skeletal system. It's got to control your muscular system, your cardiovascular, your glymphatic and lymphatic and central nervous system. Like it's got to control all these things. So when it gets these messages, it makes sure to keep those parts strong. And so your brain grows as, as does your skeletal and muscular systems. So again, just to, to kind of recap that, if you if you'll do weight training, push-ups, sit-ups, jump squats, those kinds of things. That's what stimulates the osteocalcin. And he, he mentions uh, that, you know, grip strength and the ability to jump have been two measures they've, they've used over time uh, and are highly correlated with cognitive function later in life. So if you have a really strong grip strength, it's an indication that your cognitive state is in a good, good place and you're, you're doing well uh, for your age. 
So one more thing from Andrew Huberman on physical ex- exercise. When people do resistance exercise, there are these little micro RNAs that are released in inside of vesicles and they travel to the body fat and facilitate fat burning. So you may hear a lot of things about, you know, cardio burns fat faster than like hit workouts or, or strength training. And in the moment that, that may be true, like actually in the activity of walking fast or jogging, you might be burning more fat or calories. But this is a longer lasting effect where if you do resistance training, these, these little micro RNAs are out there promoting um, fat burning and metabolism. And so it's a, another longer lasting effect. So anyway, to, to wrap it up, if you'll do both cardio and weightlifting resistance training, you'll get many benefits to your brain and body. You'll grow your brain, particularly the hippocampus. You'll have more focus, more attention. You'll secrete more happy hormones. You'll promote better sleep, better glymphatic clearance of the brain while you sleep. And according to Dr. Walker, you'll actually have increased quality of sleep from exercising. So if you can combine good sleep and good exercise, your body will stay very healthy for a long time. So anyway, I hope you guys found some great value in this. I hope you found a little bit of motivation to make sure you're getting sufficient exercise daily. It's not a ton, but make sure you get some. And uh, appreciate your support. If you wouldn't mind giving a review, share this content, help us reach a broader audience. Thank you for listening. Catch you on the next one. Hey, thanks for listening to the entire episode. As a token of gratitude, I want to give you a discount on my book, Ingrained. Head over to bronsonwilkes.com slash store and download Ingrained for less than a dollar with the coupon code GOALS, G-O-A-L-S.